Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? All right, welcome back to another Auburn Live show. I'm Justin Hokinson, joined by Ben Lear. This is the Monday Morning Quarterback edition of the Auburn Live show. If you're not a subscriber to Auburn Live, auburnlive.com. I think we're running 50% off right now, so I never know when they're going to throw those deals out there. So go check it out, 50% off, um, and join the auburnlive.com community. Uh, ben, so I just have a script here, and I just I read it every I read it every week. Uh, Auburn blows double-digit lead, um, doesn't score the second half, loses football game. And I just read it every week. I, I don't know where to start, Hope. Um, <laughs> I, I left that, I left the game on Saturday. And of course, as a, as a fan, so I, you know, just deflated you know when you look at when you look at that ball game and you watch how it just kind of gradually unraveled like it was like watching a slow train wreck and you're up 17 to nothing versus a, a pretty inept lsu offense and in, in my opinion, I thought the defense played well enough to win the football game. 
you know, if you if you if you look back at it, if I'm not mistaken, they defensively they gave up one sustained touchdown drive, and that in itself was aided by what I consider a BS hands to the face call against Derek Hall on on third down. Um, it just it was it, it was tough to walk away from. I mean, obviously, the, the I mean, the kids played hard, dude. They they played hard. They gave it everything they had. Robbie Ashford, you know, everybody needs to needs to have a little dose of reality in the sense that the kid hadn't played very much football in a long time. This is that was probably the that was the largest stage that he's obviously ever started a game under. Um, he's He's about to get introduced to SEC football come this Saturday um, in a road game in Athens. But I'll tell you where my where my largest disappointment was is the offensive coordinator. I man, I don't. There were multiple calls that I'm sitting there thinking, what in the hell is he thinking? What are what are you doing, given the situation? Two consecutive drives in which you went for it on fourth and ten. One of them you got bailed out by a pass interference call. I truly bailed out. And in the moment, as good as Auburn's defense was playing at that point in time, and as as unlikely as it was for LSU's offense to drive the football let's let's say 80 yards you go for it on fourth and 10 with a passing offense that their best plays at that point up until the to that game were scramble drill broken plays that Robbie Ashford made athletically to Shanker or Fromm or Johnson or whomever the guys were, they weren't called pass plays. They were just kids being, you know, players being players. And then the 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 one that took the cake was the was the late pick that was the double pass. I I mean I almost lost it when I saw that there there's there's zero reason for calling that particular play zero and I don't know uh, and I said this even under Gus <clears throat> I I put more of the onus in within the poor play calling and just the quite frankly the the the, the stupid plays that were called I put more of that on the OC because I truly think he's out of his depth. I, I do. And their situations up until this ball game, I thought Smetting was out of his depth as well. This is not an on-the-job learning situation in the SEC, especially when you are doing your best to win football games to keep your job. And And I said it about Gus for many, many times when he was making the comments about letting Rhett Lashley call the plays or you know whomever they may be. 
as long as the head coach is wearing a set of headphones, there's somewhat of a subliminal approval by the head coach based on an offensive or defensive scheme or play or, you know, whether you're going for it or you're punting or whatever the scenario may be. Now, I first and foremost, I do not know if Harson has that level of engagement or if he gives his coordinators that much autonomy when it comes down to making the plays or calling the plays. But when it comes down to it, I just, man, watching that game, watching that game especially late with three collective turnovers in the fourth quarter, two of which came from the offense, that would be the first change I'd make is I would I would immediately, immediately make an adjustment at the offensive coordinator spot and and see what happens because I think everybody can look at the schedule and everybody can see the the performance thus far and the outlook is extremely grim. It's it's really, really grim. And it is, man, that is hard for me to say because gosh I don't think there are very I think there are very few people that have more desire to see these kids win than I do. And and it's it's about the kids. And I, I know that I know how hard Brian Harson works. I know how much devotion he has to those kids and this football team. And I it it's not a question of that because I I I like Brian Harson. I think he is a good football coach. But at this point it is if you are someone that has a negative taste in your mouth about this football program and Brian Harson, it is 100% the perfect storm because it doesn't matter how good a football coach he is at this point. It doesn't. They are about to go on a gauntlet. And it does not look good at the likelihood of them winning more than one, if just one, of these games. Western Kentucky, at the time that it comes, is going to be a difficult task because it is likely that these young men will have suffered multiple losses consecutively. And who's to who's to say what you know? What do you do at that point? I, I just I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to pull out any positives. That's for sure. And I I, I want to not I want to not get get too fired up, start beating people up and, you know, jumping on them and, and saying this and that, because I'm not in the, I'm not in the meeting rooms. I'm not on the sidelines. And, but I, I do, you know, my strongest, my strongest opinion is the lack of performance and the an absolute horrendous play calling that was done on Sunday. That was a winnable game. Auburn should have beaten LSU. Hands oh, no, down. Question. no question. And, and I truly, truly, truly believe defensively Auburn played well enough to win that football game. They did. Offense, offense, not even offensive performance, offensive play calling cost Auburn that football game. Period. Well, and it, I mean the turnovers to me again, uh, it, it just uh I don't you know, it just they just get careless, they lo- they lose their focus um and you know, I mean, Robbie Ashford's still a young player, so the 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 strip the strip fumbled defensive touchdown for LSU was 
costly, unfortunate, but again, you know, got to feel that pressure. It's something that more experienced quarterbacks probably do, and he doesn't do. He throws a pick, um, you know, with a few minutes left in the game, stares down the receiver. The guy jumped the route. Um, and then he had a few more fumbles in that game that he fortunately didn't lose. Um, so as good as Robbie played and the plays he made, it shows you he, how far he still has to come as a, as a young quarterback. He still made a ton of mistakes, a ton of costly mistakes. Um, and then, you know, rushing the football as he was the better. Like if I told you, hey, Auburn's going to be minus three in turnovers and they're going to be outrushed, you'd be like, well, they're going to lose. And that's that's the only thing LSU did well. They didn't turn the ball over until the very end, and they and they rushed the ball pretty well um, against Auburn. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know there for most of the game, I was sitting there thinking, you know what? There's not really much I can say about co- the coaching and the game plan in this one. Everything looks good. I mean, for most of the game, for a lot of the game, you're thinking defense is playing well, offense is is doing their best to create opportunities. Um, but you could see it coming at halftime, man. I mean, I. I was up in the press box and talking to people, and I'm just like, look, I'm just, I'm telling you what's about to happen. I mean, you could just see it coming. Auburn wasn't running the ball all that well. They had hit big plays in the passing game, but some of those were scramble, rollout, broken plays. Um, as halftime neared, at one point, Robbie Ashford only had one play, one pass play of 10 yards over like a six or seven throw span. Whereas the first seven passes he completed were over 10 yards. So you could already see a trend happening with Ashford and big plays and Pat. That was coming down. You're like, LSU's not going to continue to bust coverages in the back. And Auburn's not running the ball that well. And that's why the end of the first half was so devastating, man. That, that, that uh, hands to the face to give them the ball back. Um, and then, and then allowing LSU to drive was, that was just massive, massive. Um, it was a, such a huge call. I mean, if that goes the other way and they don't call that and Auburn gets the ball back, it just manages a field goal. It's just a, such a different game. Um, but it's yet again the lack of focus, especially, well, mainly on the offensive side of the ball in the second half, the lack of yeah. execution. I, I don't uh, – I mean, there's not an answer. There's not a good answer. And, 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 and Brian Harson has, has asked that over and over again. And every time his answer is is basically not an answer. It's like we we're aware of it. We're aware of the second half struggles. It's something we got to work on. I'm like, dude, it's you're 18 games into your career at Auburn, but this is like nine competition. This is two or three games, you know, in a row. This is you can't keep saying. We are aware of it. Like you're aware of what the fact that for for half of the game you're saying about us. It really was more than that. If you go look at it, they had all 17 points by by nine and a half minutes in the second quarter. It wasn't just the first half, second half. It, it might as well have been 40 minutes for 60 minutes. Uh, it was worse than just 30 and 30. Um, I mean, 9:30. I rewatched the game. 9:30. Auburn scores 17. I'm like, well, they're done. They won't score for the rest of the game. And uh, which is shocking, which is just crazy. And I don't really I, – I can't explain that other than – the only thing I go back to is they consistently can't run the football. And so when you can't do that, your offense is just – it's going to rely on, um, you know, good execution or big plays in the first half. You catch them and stuff. You run some new things. You've got a little juice. 
and you go out there and you catch them. And then as soon as the defense adjusts to some things you're doing, it's over because you can't run the football consistently, which that no matter what the defense thinks you're doing, if you run the ball, right, that can, that can create so many things for your offense. They can't do it. So you take that away and you take away creativity in the passing game once teams adjust, and, and it's like you're over, it's over with. And, and it just, it's over and over. It happens over and over again. It's to the point where unless Auburn's up like, shoot, they were up 28-3 against Mississippi State, and even that lead wasn't safe. So I don't know what lead would be safe. But um, I'm with you. The, he's not a bad coach. I just – and he's not. There's been good examples of decent football. I just uh, – you know, how they continue to blow these leads and, and play offensively is – it's just kind of mind-blowing that it happens over and over again. And you're right. Defensively, LSU didn't even have 300 yards of offense. In this day and age, you hold an offense to 200, anywhere in the 200s, that is phenomenal in this day yep. and age, man. That's phenomenal. I mean, Missouri had over 300 yards of offense. Um, wish, wish Auburn could force more turnovers. But, gosh, they forced nine punts and a turnover in 12 possessions. Nine punts and a turnover in 12 possessions. Uh you know, 38% passing for LSU. Now, LSU was dropping some balls, things like that. But you, you I think LSU was six, uh, 30% on third down. They were really bad in the first half. Defense can't do any more in this day and age against good, uh, a mobile quarterback, good offense. They did everything they're supposed to, to do, really. And it's just not going to hold up. The more the offense plays like that, the defense is just they're, – they're not going to play like that every game. It's just not going to happen. Well, and, and you know – the turnover was extremely timely from the standpoint of the defense creating that turnover. I mean, it was like it was like fumble on demand. Um, and, yeah, oh and, man, yeah. You know, Coffin made a just a phenomenal play on the ball, um, timed his blitz absolutely perfectly. Jason Jones recovers the fumble and gave Auburn the opportunity to drive the football and and win the game. And you know, like you said, up until up until that pass attempt where Robbie just stared down the stop route on, you know, in the, in the midst of the, in the middle of the box. And, you know, granted the kid from LSU made a phenomenal play on the ball, pulled it away from the receiver. I mean, you got to give him, you got to give him credit, but still just, I defensively, they, they played well enough to win that game. Offensively, they, you're right, man. You're, you're, Looking at a 17-point lead, and there is zero comfort in that. Zero. And you can't help but think that an opposing coach, part part of their arsenal or their verbiage to their young men is, guys, they, they start fast. They start fast, just weather the storm initially, and, and you'll be fine. If they're up 28, if they're up 17, if they're up 10, whatever the scenario may be, just hang in there and it'll eventually turn, especially in the second half. Oh, and if you don't believe me, here, I'll show you their last, what, six SEC games. If I'm not mistaken, and I I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but Auburn has had double-digit leads in the second half of the last, I think, five or six SEC matchups. And 
have not come out victorious in those. And man, that is, that's not good at all. And I, I, I just don't, I just don't understand where the, where the miss is. I just don't get where, where you don't have the ability to step on somebody's throat and finish a game, period. Sustain a drive, run the football, make good offensive play calls, give your guys opportunities to win. I mean, you go back and think about it, Hope. They had the ball first and goal on the five-yard line. And they, they, you know, Robbie's, Robbie's fumble there put him at second and ten, second and goal from the ten. So that was a that was on him, hundred percent. He had more hey, by than the way, those. I think that I think that fumble is overlooked in terms of how I think that fumble impacted the next play call. I, I do too. I, I definitely do. But I still, I, I still don't think that's the play call. I, yeah. I just there's yeah it's there's, super risky i mean i mean it's unbelievably risky it is you know I, I just don't i don't think in that moment that's the play all right let's think about it think about this um now granted this is a major you know major variable as poorly as anders is kicking right now but you know let's let's say you have in the back of your mind don't do anything stupid let's at least play for 21 20 as good as the defense is playing, we're, we'll we'll get the ball back and have an opportunity to drive and kick a walk off field goal. But well, why you know, why not just say we're going for it? I mean, just say, look, we're going to play four downs, and then if we don't get it, we're going to give them the ball to five, and we're going to trust our defense. We don't need to run trick plays. We're no we're, we're, we're going to no. run the best four plays we can run. And hey, and and look at at that time. We're, we're talking about poor execution in the run game. At that time, they had gashed him a little bit with Jarquez in the run game. You know, he he was getting three and four yards a pop. Um, you know, a lot of it was on his own, but they were they were making some positive strides in the run game on that specific drive, and were able to find some success. It, it's just so difficult with the condensed field. To, to make those types of plays off of a kid that doesn't throw the ball, doesn't understand the, the, the brevity of reading a defensive secondary and, and all of those kind of things. It just the moment the moment in that scenario is not when you give a receiver the ball to make the play of the game. It, it's just not. And I agree Which, with by you. the way, you can't he can't uh he can't just chunk it away like a quarterback. I think there's rules about grounding. With, there is. Uh, if you are not, if you are not, if you are the second person basically to touch the football, right, on a on a backwards pass on a lateral pass, there is no ability for you to ground the football, to yeah. throw it away. It is. It is either. It is either a complete pass, an incomplete pass, an interception, or a sack. So, I mean, the young man didn't have a whole lot of options. Now, granted, the throw was horrible. There was nobody within within. But again, that's coaching. Like that's where you say, "Hey, look, if you get that ball, and and you get swarmed, if they're on it, 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 whatever, you just go down. Just go down. We're not we're not losing yards. Just go down. And I mean, again, there's no coaching there. 
There's no, there's no coaching point there, clearly. I agree. And, and, but, you know, like you had said, the, the better point is you got second and goal from the 10. You, you've, already, you've already gone for it on two fourth and 10s. So that would, that would lead you to believe that you have three more downs remaining to score, right? And then you call that? I yeah. just no the, no no game plan there no no lot no no real strategy. I mean it should have been four downs. Yeah. And I get Robbie. I get some of the thought. Right. We're not. Eh, it's it's harder to run the ball inside the ten. Okay. Robbie's still an inaccurate passer. He's still young and inexperienced. Okay. So what we don't want to do is have him read the try to read things in the middle of the field. Okay. We don't want to we don't want him to force it. Okay. But you still got roll him out four times and, 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 and do one route, say roll out, try to find one guy on an out route, okay? Or run the option and maybe you can pitch it to, to Tank or, or Jarquez or somebody, maybe they can get the corner and get to the pile line. Or like there's just, I feel like there's a number of things you could have done to just try to keep it one-on-one. Uh, yeah, run, run, a, run a quarterback draw, run, run some power up the middle on second down and try to get back closer. I mean, there's just things you could have done. Would it be a Would it have been conservative-ish? Yeah, you you know, you got to play to what you don't want. Robbie, you don't put too much on him there. But um, that play call wasn't. That's if you're if you're playing. Hey, we got four downs. You, you don't run that play. Yeah, I mean, there were no there were instances. There were instances, and I believe this is this happened on this drive. Um, and I think that that the play that the interception that that Coy threw, I believe, did that come on third down because on the second and goal was an attempted, was an attempted flat pass, you know, an angle pass to, to Jarquez and defensively they made, you know, they made a, they, they just made a good read on it or it could, that may have been before that, but there are just so many other things they could have done with Robbie Ashford with how athletic he is to to give them a better opportunity for success. I mean, yeah. You you could tell in watching the game, you could tell that defensively LSU was coached up very very well to defend a an inexperienced mobile quarterback for the most part. I mean, they they obviously popped off some big plays in the past game, got excuse me, guys got lost and and Robbie was able to find them, but on just you know, called orchestrated rollouts, moving him out of the pocket. Defenders knew by process of elimination where to go and, and what they could eliminate. There were multiple times that Auburn would roll to the right or left with maybe a two a two receiver scheme or a two route scheme. And odds are, for example, Robbie rolls to his right. It's highly likely ninety, roughly ninety plus percent of that of the attempts that come out of that rolling to the right are going to be out routes in that same direction, out routes, corner routes, out cuts. Well, defensively, LSU did a great job of undercutting those particular routes, and I think that that ultimately, in certain instances, cost them because they'd undercut them and leave the top off. And so, you know, when you get into that scramble drill, that leaves that leaves some guys open over the top of the defense. But, you know, you could tell they were, you know, they were prepared to to play against a kid that 
that didn't have a whole lot of experience has a really live arm, but you know, is, you know, feast or famine. But man, I just, I, I just, when you've got a, you've got a six, five receiver over there that literally Landon King, he, his only role on this team is situational. He's not there yet as a receiver, but, but he is a situational guy. What better situation than when you're down there in that opportunity? How, how do you not how do you not dial that up before you're running trick plays? How do you not say, Landon, we're lining you up one on one, and it's going to be pretty obvious. We're going to throw it up, and you're, you're going to catch it, or maybe they're going to fight you. And we're going to get a, a pass interference. Well, I mean, hey, how I mean, even and if it's not landing, even if it's not landing King, how about Cam Brown? You know, I mean, they're yeah, I mean, they're one. They're, there's two guys on that roster, and I it still baffles me to this day why why they don't execute the fade ball or or the or the jump ball any better than than they do or call it for that term, for lack of a better term. But you know, it's a hell of a lot more likely to be successful than the than the the double pass, you know, to a receiver that never that never throws the ball. Yeah, it, it just and I know there's men, I know there's tons of other situations that could have led to better success. I do. It's we're we're harping on one play and but you know, cumulatively I just think it was a I think it was a poor effort by the offensive coordinator and, and his play calls and and I I just I just don't I, I don't see it. I haven't seen it for quite some time and I'm you know, again I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of, of Brian Harson from the standpoint of I think he's a I really think he's a good football coach. I think he's a great disciplinarian. The kids love him because they see how hard he works. They see that he is passionate about them being successful. But unfortunately, man, the deck is stacked against everything at this point. Yeah. And it is it is gonna be it's gonna be impossible sledding. For them, when you think about going to Athens, going to Oxford, then Arkansas, A&M, you know, granted, there's there's some some hopefulness in the fact that maybe A&M continues to slide and they come in on one leg. You know, you never know. Yeah, you never know. but their def- their defense is still really good. No doubt, you're exactly right. Yeah. And they're you know with a chain at the running back position, they're likely to pop two or three big plays. So at, at this point, anybody that scores 21 points on Auburn, you you, you can chalk it up. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be the underdog, and every, every other than Western Kentucky, you're gonna be the, under, the underdog right. in, in probably every game across the board. And I'll and we'll move on. Um, but I think what you're getting at about the play calling is it's just between the fourth and ten. And by the way, the next fourth and ten, he had to go for it. I mean, when it was third down, and when they didn't get it, I looked at somebody next to me and said, "Well, he's got to go for this. He just went for it. He has no choice. Yeah, he can't right. not go for this." You, you already, so, you already, you already set the precedent. You got to do it. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it was just I think in critical situations, in that fourth and ten, the fourth and ten they didn't get. What made it worse was they called a timeout. They call a timeout. They had no idea what to do. It's third and ten. They're like, uh, do we go? Do we? They didn't know what to do, so they call timeout. At that point, you, you you better go for it. And and then they go for it, and that and the play they come up with was 
was a nothing play, um, which is was maybe worse. Like I, I don't agree with going for it because it was they had the lead at the time, and yeah, anyway. Uh, but it was that, and the, and just odd play callings at critical times. That's that's the that's the thing. Critical times, weird, odd, kind of super risky, super aggressive. Didn't look like it was a well thought out plan play at the most critical times. That's the most that's the most disturbing. But here's your stat, right? So going back to Ole Miss of last year, when they scored 28 first half points against top 10 Ole Miss, okay? From that game, Ole Miss, they scored three points second half. A&M the next game, shut out second half. Mississippi State the next game, six points in the second half. South Carolina, three. Alabama, three. Houston, 10, a really good third quarter against Houston, abysmal fourth quarter, they lost the game. Then you come to Penn State, 6, Missouri, 0, LSU, 0. And I looked it up after the game, and I've, I've, I've dug deeper into those stats from Ole Miss to now in the second halves of football games. They've punted the ball 20 I think they're up to 28 times. 28 punts in the second half in that stretch. Three touchdowns. Eight turnovers. So they're, 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 they're damn near three times more likely to turn the ball over in the second half than score a touchdown. And they're basically nine times more likely to punt the ball than score a touchdown in the second half. That's not, not good. How bad it is. You can basically bank on maybe a field goal, maybe a field goal, better chance of a turnover, and a high likelihood of a, quite a few punts. I mean, you just bank yep. on it. And still, by and the that, way, back to South Carolina, Penn State, Missouri, now the last six big games, excluding. Mercer, San Jose, those six now, they are still zero for third down in the fourth quarter in, the, in that stretch. No fourth, no fourth quarter third down conversions. None. Make O for 17 now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Isn't that crazy? They don't have a third down conversion in the fourth quarter since Mississippi State. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, there's your it's answer. Hard to fathom. Right? It's hard to fathom. There's your answer. Which that is crazy me. when we talk about this staff. Like, think about if just most of they hold on to most of these leads. Like, Mississippi State, what if they hold on to that lead? South Carolina, what if they hold on to that lead? Alabama, what if they hold on to that lead? 
LSU hold on to that lead? Like, what are we talking about with Brian Harson? What are we talking about with this record? I mean, it's just a completely different oh, story. Yeah. Completely you're, different you're, story. You're, you're in, in all in true Auburn fashion. We're talking about an extension, not a firing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. And I just, just I, I don't. I mean, it's it. In my opinion, that's coaching. Has to be. It has to be. You, you know, yeah. because because the, be. the the kids are they're losing they're they're losing focus. They're not making adjustments. They're th- those are those are coaching level scenarios, because it's not like it's it's not like you had the same performance in the first half, right? It's the same kids that made the same plays in quarters one and two. So right, at, right. at some point, you're you're not your message. Your message is not strong enough to these young men to maintain focus in quarters three and four and and, and make adjustments to not permit the opponent to come back and win the football game. I mean you you I and I don't know where to I don't know where to put that finger. Is it is it each individual position coach? Uh you know, it, it it can't all, in my opinion, it can't. It's not going to all fall on the head coach because there's only so much, so many people that he can speak to and have a and, and resonate with. But it does start there. It it and it doesn't happen just on Saturday. It's it's Sunday through Friday. So, but you know, there is an area that you go back and think of the the lack of adjustments, the lack of improvement from you know, quarters two to quarter three at the half, those types, those types of things. But again, that, that is an area that I would point more towards the coordinators than I would a head coach. Now people will say, well, he hired them. No, you're right. And he'll, he'll acknowledge that. That's, that's just the type of coach Harson is that the he'll, he'll ride or die with whomever he chose as his position coaches and, and coordinators. But the the way it works at halftime, Brian Harson is not bouncing all around the locker room, delivering a sermon to the defense, beating yeah. on the board, and making adjustments. And then, then he's not jumping over to the offense doing the exact same thing. The man doesn't have time for that. They separate offense and defense. What they do is they walk into the locker room. The staff goes into a room. They might separate within that room a little bit. You know, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're seeing. You know, you've got analysts coming from all different directions, GAs coming from different directions. You know, uh, a position coach is coming here saying Tank is seeing this and Coy is seeing this and Brandon Council seeing this on the on the defensive front. And then on the flip side, you've got the defensive guys doing the same thing. Well, you know, halftime is only so long. So then the coaches, the coaches, they break. They're like, all right, let's go. Get your guys. Hey, they they come busting out into the locker room. Hey, defense over here, offense over here. Everybody get around, get around, get around. And they start talking about, hey, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this good, doing this bad. This adjustment needs to be done here. This adjustment needs to be done there. It is an absolute free-for-all. <laughs> there, it is, it is organized chaos. And it's not Brian Harson that's delivering that message. It is the coordinators that are that are talking about adjustments are in our opinion lack thereof and then 
within the last 30 seconds, minute before the kids come back onto the field, they all congregate one last time. Brian Harson gives a hoorah speech of finishing the game, the last 30 minutes, the first five minutes of the second half for the most important, you know, it was the most important time of the entire ball game, blah, 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 blah. Ready, bright, war, damn eagle. That is, it is a coordinator's job to make adjustments at the half because they have that, although it's a finite, condensed period of time, they have the undivided attention of their side of the ball. It's not yeah. Brian Harson. It's the coordinators. And and at this point, in my and they they have failed egregiously, dating back to Mike Bobo and Derek Mason, and now Smedding and Keesaw. It is it, it is it, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Most importantly for those kids. Yeah, it was a it was an awesome atmosphere. Oh, um, it was it was a big time atmosphere. It was a big time game. Recruits loved it. Um, despite the the result, recruits had great things to say, um, and that's what you know. I I've told our board this, you know, like, hey, look, things are it, it just this is going to work out. You know, it'll be okay. I mean, if you if you if you, I know it sucks. You want to win football games, um, you know. There, it's not a complete disaster in terms of. Uh, where the Auburn program is, they they have to make good decisions here in the next couple of months. But you know, you've got a hundred million dollar facility; it's about to open, and and, and you still got obviously a, 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 an environment like that. There's still so many awesome things. You just got to make a few good decisions here, and clearly, decisions are going to have to be made um, because it's just not it's not working. And yeah, I go back to you, man. I. I uh, I would ask Brian Harson this question, but I just I feel like I know what the answer is going to be, which is a lot of just words that don't really say anything. It'll be a lot of high level, lofty, you know, rhetoric. But but you just go back to these offensive struggles and you try to find what's the same. I can go back to Ole Miss. Well, you've had different quarterbacks. You've had multiple different starting quarterbacks. You've had multiple offensive coordinators. Um, so so it's not like, oh, it's it's not just Keesaw, but Bobo struggled with it too. It's not just Ashford. T.J. Finley struggled with it, and even Bo Nix had three games, really. I mean, Bo Nix got hurt at the end of that Mississippi State game, really. So even even Bo had a, a, that three-game stretch back then of, of poor second-half offense. And the only thing consistent I can find is Brian Harson and the lack of a consistent running game. Like second half, they can't, they can't really run the ball. They, they, even if teams know it, they can't push anybody around. That's it. And I just think it comes back to that. When you can't push anybody around, you can't rely on big plays all game, and it just, it just you start losing juice. You start losing momentum. You start losing focus. You start losing uh, you know, some of that stuff you have in the first half, and it just, you can't execute. You can't execute hate, the second half. I hate to say this, too, but prime example of, of championship-level football, top to bottom. If you go back and look at the film and and see the Alabama-Arkansas game. I knew you were going there. <laughs> when, Ar- when Arkansas closed it to within a one-score game, 23-28, to 28, 
What did what did Alabama do? They ran the damn football, and they did it well. If I'm not mistaken, in the fourth quarter, maybe the late part of the third quarter and the fourth, they broke two 70-yarders in the run game. They And they did this with a backup quarterback. Now, granted, he looks like Hercules, but yeah. they they run the football. Mm-hmm. That is – Auburn cannot do that right now. Now, I, I, I will say this. I liked – I liked the restructuring of the offensive front. I thought that is a better lineup and could lead to some success, but it's got a long way to go before it gets yeah. on the level that it gets on the level that it should be. And and you have got to be able to have a running game that for all intent and purposes can line up at the line of scrimmage look across that front seven and stare in the eyes of the defensive linemen and the linebackers and say, hey, guys, I don't really give a damn what you think or where you go or what you do. I'm running the football right here, and you will not stop us. We're going to get two or three yards, guaranteed. Put them all right there. That's where we're going. Auburn does not, Auburn does not have that. They haven't had that in quite some time. And, and – in my opinion, it is it is no fault, none whatsoever of Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and Demari Austin. It ain't it ain't their bad. Starts yeah. up front. <clears throat> well, now you go to second ranked Georgia. They're going to be plenty pissed off um, after a, a bad showing in Missouri. Kirby Smart's going to have their complete focus this week which is really bad news for Auburn. You know, you don't coast through Missouri. Everything's great over there. I mean, they almost got beat. Uh, now, can Auburn look at what Missouri did? Sure. But you're going to have just a dialed-in Georgia team this week after that. And uh, I think it's going to be a baptism by fire for Robbie Ashford and in, uh, in that new-look offensive line. It's, it's going to be – he's going to be running for his life um, quite quite often. And you just uh, – I, I, you know – you hope it doesn't get uh, out, of, out of control or too ugly too quick. But where do you go from here? I mean, how is your – got two road games coming up, Ole Miss top ten as well. <laughs> your next two opponents are top ten teams on the road, which is why you can't couldn't start off three and two. But that's what Auburn did. Um, you know, Brian Harson's future is, is – I say up in the air. I don't think it is. I think we all know that. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of when, how. Um, it's just a weird time right now. You know, you had those home games at least. Okay, well, at least Penn State's at home, right? Missouri's at home. LSU's at home. You had some optimism. Now you get into a tough part of the schedule, including two road games, where, boy, it's going to be really hard to uh, to stay optimistic these next two two weeks. Then you got a bye week, which which potentially could be a could result in a coaching change. I don't know. I'm not in the. I'm not making the decisions up there, but it's very possible. I mean, the next three well, weeks. And, I mean, it, it, at this point, who is making the decisions? That that's the problem that okay. Auburn is facing right now because of there is such a, a fair question. There is such a huge crossroads in the sense that you, you've got a you've got a lame duck AD, you know, in Rich McGlynn, and that you know, so they're obviously in search of a guy to to lead the entire department. 
do you do you just pull the band-aid off and make a coaching change mid you know midstream after during an open day because it is highly likely that Auburn going into the open date is three and four. Now, granted, there are a lot of people that will tell you that they saw that coming. Me, for all intent and purposes, I fully expected Auburn to be five and zero oh at this point. I did. I, I truly, truly did. Given given where it, where the games were being played, given the opponents and and where they are with regards to their football program, and I thought that would be a good enough shot in the arm to allow Auburn to come out with some type of positivity or something to lead them through the second half of the season against teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, and Arkansas. But unfortunately, I, as I am, a lot of times was way wrong in, in my hopes and dreams and aspirations for the for this particular football season but i man i just don't know i don't know that you do you do you make a coaching change and here's the other thing typically your interim let's say you do make let's say you do fire your head coach typically the interim turns out to be one of the coordinators right yeah, that's not happening. Oh my God! I mean, you might as well go pluck a guy off Tiger Walk. Well, it'll probably be Zach. And He's and the most and logical hey, choice, and it'll probably be Zach. It should be. It should be. And I and I would, you know, I love Zach Etheridge to death. I think he's a hell of a ball coach. He's a great recruiter. He's a great leader of men. And and I would support that, you know, wholeheartedly. Now I I. I'll be the first to tell you, and I and I wouldn't say anything about any coach that I wouldn't say to their face. I hope, I hope that they compete on Saturday, and at least don't don't get you know run away with. Find a way to win in Oxford some way somehow, you know, and go on some type of miraculous run. And we're wondering, holy crap, did that LSU game just wake up the Tigers? But man, I just. My my doubts are overriding are overriding my orange and blue glasses. Well, they should. I mean, I mean, you're just for based on the evidence. It, it 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 they should. I mean, based on the evidence, we knew. So that's why at halftime at LSU, I was like, I mean, just looking at what's been happening, you feel like you know exactly where this is going. Um, let me ask you this: as a player, how would you feel? Because this is what I go back to about you know, when I'm trying to figure out if they're going to make a change. And look, ultimately, if a change is made, it sounds harsh, but they're not going to care what the what the players think. Like, it's a big business decision. But I think it plays a small part. Like, I think they'll say, look, for instance, let's say, hey, let's make a change right now. I think part of it would go, guys, we can't do that to them when they're about to go to Georgia. That We can't do that to the team, the players. Like, I think there's a, an element of that. How, Look, the, the group that's here chose to come back. They didn't transfer. They're here. Most of them, not everybody, not, not everybody likes everybody. That's that's never going to happen. But the majority of that team likes Brian Harson. Um, certainly, the leaders and the people that control the vibe, I think, for the most part, do. 
how how do you think they'll take it and how would you take it if you were all you loved a coach you loved his mission you loved his vision you loved how he pushed the team all that stuff and then they and then they fire him midseason how do you react to that do, are you a young kid you're like yeah it sucks like are we are we probably looking at it very differently from them they're they're just playing ball how do you think it impacts them if, if that, that I mean change I, I think it I think it definitely has an impact on the young men and, and there's, there's going to be those as it in, in the world that, that they live in now regarding the fishbowl and social media and having the ability to be keyboard warriors. There's going to be some like Derek and Colby and, and, and those guys that are might have a negative thing to say about, you know, the departure of Brian Harson or the decision, but then there's probably going to be those that, you know, good riddance because they're not getting, they're not getting the opportunity that they think they deserve, but that that's, that's going to be the case. You're not always going to have everybody be happy, but you know, I, and this is, this is really ambiguous when I make this statement, but I think that, the thoughts and feelings that will come out of the young men is really dependent on the outcome of really the next two ball games. If they get their doors blown off and they themselves get the sense that the the coaching staff or certain coaches are just are just buying their time, that you, you cannot mask that. The kids will yeah. see that. They will feel it. They will sense it, just like they can tell if you don't love them or don't support them. So they will be happy to show you the door, happy to. Now, if they are hard-fought games, they see the coaches still, you know, still punching the clock, doing the things that they're doing, and they're truly devoted to them as players and young men, most importantly, as they should be, because they're still, still getting a paycheck. Then you then you might have a little backlash from guys like Derek or Colby or whomever they may be. But you those are difficult decisions are going to get varying responses. And you know, in my opinion, I don't I, I personally don't I don't see an advantage other than the recruiting deadline in December. I don't see the advantage of of cutting ties midseason. Uh, you know, people can argue the fact that, you know, you don't want to do it after the Iron Bowl because then you have an early December commitment period or signing period. You're only a couple of weeks in for the new coach to, with the ability to make, you know, salvage some recruiting, blah, 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 blah. I get that. But, I mean, really, what good is it? And... I, I just don't know. I, I, again, I'm not making the call or I'm not making the decision, but I just, I just don't know how good a or how how much it helps the scenario by firing someone in the middle of the season. I just, I think there's more negative that comes out of it than positive. Yeah, well, it's it's not going to be a money thing because the difference between uh, firing Brian Harson right this second. And the end of the year is like six hundred thousand dollars. So it's it's not enough to um, really sway you one way or another. Um, you know, I, I would say the pauses would be uh, you you make it known that you have an opening. I, 
I would think it becomes a little easier to back channel talk to coaches. There could be some reluctance now, like even if it's back channels, and we know we know that happens. Hey, you still got a coach. You know? it, it, being wide open, I think, makes it a little bit easier maybe to back channel and talk to kind of anybody you want. Um, but past that, they're you know the, the people they're looking at, they're not going to hire midseason anyway. They right. need to get an AD on board or at least get an AD named. Um, and so, and then I think the other aspect is just, like you said, do these next two weeks, if they go really, really poorly, does the negativity from the fan base, does the negativity to read column after column, story after story about what, what's Auburn waiting on? Fire the guy, fire the guy. Does that become a thing where you're just like, I'm so, I'm sick of, I, I can't go through another two months basically or seven, eight weeks of just limbo, negative talk from the fans. I just, they just, they just don't want to deal with it. They got to cut, cut the strings and, and start to shift the focus. Um, again, that's kind of, but that's a lot of perspective and it's, it's, uh, it's not really going to affect recruiting. I mean, the other thing would be recruiting. Look, I mean, are they going to land anybody? Maybe, shoot, they're still landing kids here and there, which is kind of wild. I mean, you do still have a staff going out and making visits. You do still have kids that are interested in Auburn because they don't pay attention to things close enough. They don't really know if Brian Harson's in or out or what's going on there. It probably has a little bit of neg- negative effect on recruiting because as soon as you find him, until you're if you want to and so it's all just going to wait and see. Um, and so if you do keep them around, you, you maybe at least keep a little bit more interest with these kids, whereas if you fire them, you can pretty much just hang it up until you get somebody new. So, I mean, yeah, I can kind of see your point. I mean, there's definitely some, you know, some reasons to keep them and, and you know, and some reasons to just move on it. And And maybe that's where they're at. Maybe they're just like, sort of playing it almost week by week or, hey, if, if it gets so bad that we just need to make a change or what if they're competitive? And do we just kind of keep kicking the can down the road for a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. It's a, it's a difficult proposition for sure because you just there, – there is no – there is no 100% correct answer. It's a – a lot of it is – a lot of it is what your gut feel. Um, a lot of it is how will this, this decision or lack thereof, it's the tail wagging the dog, right? It's how will this impact the kids that are being recruited at this point? Um, how will it affect the kids on the roster presently? Because you obviously have to be concerned with the transfer portal. There could be a mass exodus one way or the other, you know, if he, if he stays, if they, if for some reason they decide to keep Brian Harson as a head coach, you know, it's just that that's going to happen. Those are things that are already, you know, you know that there's going to be additions, subtractions, good, bad, and ugly, one way or the other. But it's just, it's a, it's a, it's it's not a good position for Auburn football to be in. It's it's disappointing to say the least. They've got a long way to go. Do they have the ability to turn it around? I hope. I just don't know, man. I, and it's not going to be for lack of effort. 
I, I can guarantee you that. It's not going to be because these kids don't care. They care. They want to win football games. But I just don't I just don't know if they have enough dudes to win the games that they need to win. And at this point, they need to win every one of them. Yeah. Well, another super uplifting, positive, inspiring Monday morning quarterback. <sighs> I love him. I love him so much. But it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, it's um, it's not just that Auburn's losing football games. It's that Auburn's losing football games, and you have a head coach, and the and, and and everything hanging over it. It's it's not a guy who's in his third year and everything's been fine. And they're going through a little rough patch. It's it's a combination of on the field and you're staring at a change happening. So there's just a lot to to digest and dissect and wrap your head around about kind of how you feel about about all this stuff and the and the and the collapses make it even worse. And I just they're losing. It's just these baffling decisions and losses. It just everything about trying to talk about Auburn football in the program right now is exhausting. Yep. It really is. Like everything about it is mentally uh, exhausting. Um, so we'll see, man. They got Georgia this week. Uh, CBS um, four touchdown underdog. Just. Four touchdown underdog in uh, to your to one of your biggest rivals on the road is brutal. Um, so we'll see how it goes, man. We'll see we'll see how it goes. I don't know what you hope. I guess you just hope to to, to make a few plays and have a few plays that you remember from this one and get out of there healthy. You know, maybe it's a I don't know thirty eight to ten. Like I would probably take that at this point. I mean, Georgia walked in here last year and beat Auburn 34-10. I mean, that ended up being the final Jordan Air. Auburn was played well for three quarters. They just couldn't hang in there, but um, I think it was like, it still ended up being like 34-10. to 10. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, look. This week's going to be phenomenal. Okay. So that's going to be great. So just everybody, you know, go have a good lunch. Enjoy the weather. Everything will be okay. Everything will be okay in the long run. Just kind of sort of push through what you got going on right now. That's right, baby. Just live to play another day. (laughs) If there's one thing we know about Auburn football, they will always live to play another day, and it won't be that long. I mean, you go back to 98, 99, 2000, boom. You know, 09 to 10. 12 to 13. It can happen quick <clears throat> at Auburn. It can happen really it can happen really quick, so that just that's the bright side and you just keep that keep that kind of in the forefront of your mind. It can happen very quickly at Auburn to turn around. So All right, man. Well, we'll do this uh, again next Monday after Georgia. Um, appreciate everybody joining us auburnlive.com 50% off subscriptions. Go join the auburnlive.com community um, for Ben Leard I'm Justin Hokinson, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. 
That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 